John chapter 13, if you would turn there in your Bibles. We'd encourage you to keep Catherine Rolstead in prayer. Um, she is in the hospital. She's going on her third week now, and she has, she's dealing with the respiratory thing. And um, it sounds serious to me. So we just want to continue to lift her up in prayer. And um, it's hard when people are really going through it, it's physical things. Father, we do pray for Catherine. We pray, Father, for her healing. And we look to you, Lord, the only one that can truly heal. We thank you, Lord, for physicians. Her, her own husband's a physician. But, uh, Lord, we know that um, sometimes when it's beyond what the physicians can do, our only hope is in you. And so, Lord, be it through the physicians or be it through your sovereign, mighty hands, we just pray that you would heal her. We pray, Lord, for others that are under the weather right now. Lord, uh, the little ones, pray for Hawk. He had a rough night last night. And just some of the other little ones and adults, Lord, that are just really struggling right now. We pray, Father, for your healing touch upon them. And we pray, as we always pray, Lord, would you please teach us? Would you please illuminate your truth upon your word so that we might glean and apply the things that are applicable. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Chapter 13, verse 31, so when he, the he there would be Jude, Judas, had gone out, Jesus said, now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. And if God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself. And glorify him immediately. Five times we see that word glorified or glorify. And you look at that and you say, well, what is he talking about? Well, remember, guys, Judas now is gone. And this is Jesus' opportunity from this point on to instruct and to prepare his disciples for what was coming. Uh, what was coming? The cross was coming. Um, the resurrection was coming. The ascension back into heaven was coming. Uh, confusion was coming for the disciples, no doubt, for the apostles. A time of concern, a time of doubt, a time of retreating back to the things that they uh, knew to be true in their, of their old life. You know, I know I could fish for a living. I know I could go back to working with my hands and doing what I need to do to support my family. But, of course, they didn't know any of these things. They just simply hear Jesus speaking these words. How is God glorified in him? God is glorified, Father is glorified in the Son, the Son is glorified through his death, burial, resurrection. It seems so odd for us to think of it that way. How could anyone be glorified through their death? Well, because we're speaking of Jesus who is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the resurrection and the life. Through his death, of course, that sacrificial death, which makes salvation for all who call upon the name of the Lord possible, that brings glory to Jesus. That brings glory to the Father. It brings glory to the Father because all that's been spoken by the Father, 
from Genesis forward concerning his plan of redemption, all of these things, that through the crucifixion and the resurrection and the ascension, God's love is seen. God's love is manifested. God's righteousness is seen. God's righteousness is manifested. And so Jesus goes on and he says, little children, would you be offended if, uh, maybe, maybe I need to address this to the men, maybe the women wouldn't be that offended, but you know, Jesus, it wasn't like Jesus was an old man. Jesus was 32, 33 years of age. These men, it's not like they were children. These men were, by age, probably very close to Jesus. And yet he refers to them as little children. I don't know that they were offended. I don't think they would have been. Little children, it just seems so dear and so tender to me. Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. So now I say to you. You know, guys, it's so easy for us. We have the text. We read the text. We could read through it very quickly. And we could kind of miss the, um, the drama behind the words of Jesus. We surely could only imagine what the setting must have been like and what they were thinking. And as they're listening to the words of Jesus, what was going through their mind. We know what was going through Peter's mind because next, not next week, next week will be our Christmas service. But, but the week after that, we'll see in verse 36 where Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? You know, so we know what he was thinking. But I think the others were probably thinking that as well. You're going away. We can't come. We can't follow. Where are you going? What are you saying? It's important to recognize the context of, of, of really the meat of it, and that is the new commandment. Of course, that's what we always are drawn to, the new commandment. But the context of the new commandment is that Jesus says, I'm going away. You can't come. Uh, I'm, I'm going away, I'm going to be glorified through my death and my resurrection. Of course, he didn't say that specifically here, but of course, that's what is intended. I'm going away, you're going to be left alone. Well, they wouldn't be left alone because as he goes on, he'll talk about the Holy Spirit who would come and, and kind of fill that void in Jesus or in their life that Jesus would, would leave. But he says, where I'm going, you cannot come now. So now I say to you, they cannot come. He doesn't say now there. He says now later on when we get further on into chapter 14. So here it is, the new commandment. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Now guys, if Jesus were to stop there, if he was to have stopped there, you know, um, they could have protested and they could have said, Lord, this is not new. Um, Lord, the law, the Torah, speaks to us of the importance of love. Leviticus 19.18 You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So this was a command. It didn't come from Moses. It came directly from the Lord. 
So if Jesus would have stopped by just simply saying, guys, I want you to love one another, there wouldn't be any newness to it. But of course he goes on, and here's where we see the uniqueness or the newness of the thing. He finishes by saying, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. So that's what makes it different. In fact, the word new, it doesn't speak of new in time, but it really speaks of freshness, freshness. You know, guys, we should be so thankful to the Lord because he brings freshness, he brings a, a new understanding to absolutely everything. If, if, we, if we choose to look through the lens of his grace and his word and his, you know, promises and his power, everything takes on a new light. Love. Did you, did you know that over 500 times the word love is used in the Bible? Now, of course, we have different words in the, in the Hebrew and in the Greek. We have a number of words in the Greek. You know, we have Philadelphia, brotherly love. You have phileo, being fond of, but it, our translation of the word is love. You have agape, which speaks of this, this committed almost divine kind of love, the kind of love that God loves us with. It's that agape love. And uh, eros, you know, more of an erotic type of thing, maybe between a husband and a wife kind of love. So we have many words, of course, that speak of love. But over 500 times in the Bible, God speaks of the importance of love. And it's interesting and I say this quite often, that sometimes when we're going through a book of the Bible, because I personally, as the teacher going through the book, whatever book we might be studying, I, I go through it, and I go through it, and I go through it. And um, the more I teach through a book of the Bible, the more I glean. I've, I've never, ever taught a book of the Bible that I've taught times before, many times before, where I thought, well, yeah, Nothing new here, nothing to see here, you know. It's, there's always something new, many, many things, not just something, many things that jump off the page. But, but I'd like to say, if, if all I had was the Gospel of John, if that's all I had, it would be interesting to note that, that the word love is only used 12 times in the first 12 chapters of John's Gospel. And it doesn't mean that every chapter has the word love. It just simply means that there's 12 times that you find in the first 12 chapters. But what's interesting about that is as you continue on to the remaining, remaining nine chapters of John's gospel, we see that the word love is used 44 times. Guys, listen. You know... Um, I think of, and I, I don't like to use myself because a human illustration is so weak from what we have in the Lord. But um, as an earthly father, you know, we, my children, we kind of had a thing when our kids were young and sometimes not so young. Um, they would come in at night and they would get up on our bed, Tracy and my bed, and and they would sit up there with me with their jammies on, and I would tell them stories. Now, the stories weren't just stories to tell, but the stories hopefully had a purpose, a meaning. There was something 
you know, behind the things that were being communicated. My kids still talk about that to this day. They're all adults and have their own children now. But I think of how, as a father, as an earthly father, I wanted my children to understand certain things. I didn't want them to be ignorant. I wanted them to understand things. I wanted, wanted them to understand, you know, principles of life or, or the, you know, how the, how the Lord cares for them and how the Lord loves them. And so as a parent, as a human parent, how do we communicate that to our kids? That's a difficult thing. I mean, really to kind of get it across. But we have a Heavenly Father who loves us dearly. And he wants to communicate to his children. And I think that it pleases, you know, I used to enjoy it when my kids would come in and say, Dad, are you going to tell us a story tonight? Sometimes my kids will say something. Oh, Papa always used to tell stories. And now my grandchildren will say, Papa, tell me a story. I don't know that my stories now have uh, that much of a moral to the story or, you know, I've kind of left the instructing to the, the, the parents for the most part. A lot of my stories now have Bigfoot in them. <laughs> <clears throat> but our Heavenly Father, I think of how, you know, it kind of warmed my heart when my children wanted to spend time with me and sit up on the bed and listen to Papa tell stories. Sometimes my stories were actual events that took place, you know, and and it blesses my heart. I can't help but believe that it blesses the Father's heart when his children are reading the word of God and there are these, these they're almost like supernatural mind explosions that go off and you go, oh, Lord, oh, that's so rich. Oh, that's so good. And you just, you just sit before the Lord and thank him for that that new thing or that fresh perspective on his word that you've seen. I, I'm always stressing this because I know that this is the key to all the things we're looking at today and really to a, a life and a life of, of abundance in Christ Jesus. It's spending time with him, spending time with him. I, know, I have another weak illustration and I don't want to offend anybody because I think that every parent, parents, have their own kind of guidelines and rules and things like that. And, and you know, and that's wonderful. No one should speak a, against your, um, your way with your children, as long as it's not something bad, you know. But um, I was thinking of, you know, some families, they're very strict. And so when their children come of age and maybe they start dating, um, the only dating they could do, and again, I think it's all age appropriate, you know, I think some children probably shouldn't be dating for a long, long time, you know, but um, there should be some maturity before that happens, but, but anyway, um, maybe there's a chaperone, you know, I'll, I'll take you out. I'll do this. I'll do that. I, I did that with some of our kids, you know. It's always an awkward thing for all involved. And, um, <laughs> but um, I was thinking of that early this morning. And I was thinking of how, you know, but there comes a time 
when the chaperone needs to go bye-bye. And there needs to be this, and, and, and again, age appropriate, you know, where the young man and the young woman, they sit alone with each other. They talk. They talk about their convictions and their life and maybe their upbringing and what they have hopes for in the future and they talk about these things. And it's through the process, do you guys remember old timers that have been married forever? Do you remember, I remember times with Tracy, oh man, I valued those times. I just happened to be in the neighborhood like the night after, you know, I initially, the ice was broken between Tracy and I, happened to be in the neighborhood with a handful of Neil Young albums, thought we could just sit and listen to them. Happened to be in the neighborhood. I lived 45 minutes away, you know. <laughs> but, you know, you, you value those times. You sit and you talk, and, and it becomes apparent, doesn't it? It becomes apparent. No, this ain't the one. Or, I think this is the one. There's a time that the chaperone needs to go away. What's your point, Dan? Sometimes I think we approach the word with a chaperone. Well, yes, I open the word. I, I come to church on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights, and I open my Bible to what the pastor says we should open to, and I read the text, and I'm there, and I'm attentive, and I'm listening, and... But you have the chaperone. You don't need the chaperone all the time. I mean, please continue to come to study. But, 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 but there should be this intimacy between you and the Lord. I could never imagine when Tracy and I were dating. And, you know, I feel like I was kind of like the sentimental one of the two of us. Not she was sentimental, too. But, but I used to keep love letters. I mean, most guys I know didn't keep love letters. But I kept love letters. And I would read them over and over again. And I'd look for the hidden messages in these love letters, you know. Sometimes she would write in red letters. No, I'm joking. That's weird. But anyway... I enjoyed reading these letters, these love letters from Tracy because I was in love with the author. And I could not wait to be alone with the author of those love letters. I know it's a weak illustration. But if there is not the sense of intimacy with the Lord to where you sit with your Bible open, no one else is around, and you're talking to him, out loud. Why not? You're reading his word and you're talking to him about his word. And you say things between you and him that you might not say in a group of people because it's a different level of intimacy. Oh, I love you, Lord. I can't believe, Lord, that you love me the way you do. I love you so much. I'm so thankful for your love. There has to be that. There has to be that level of intimacy. Jesus said that you love one another as I have loved you. 
How has he loved us? Well, chapter 13, verse 1, it begins with love, it ends with love. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end or to the fullest extent. As I have loved you. The, the, the freshness, the newness, the greatness of this love of Jesus is magnified because of the cross, isn't it? Greater love, you guys know it, John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. Jesus is saying, listen, little ones, little children, this is what love looks like. It's putting others first. A relationship will never work if, if we put ourselves first. Then it's all about me. You know what I'm saying. But the relationships that work are, it's a mutual love. It's this giving and this taking. It's this desiring to be with one another. It's listening and talking. I mean, it's manifested in many different ways. But, but that's what love looks like. It, it is... It is it is putting others first. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down his life for his friends. Jesus, when he was speaking to Nicodemus, we have the gospel in miniature, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus, what are you saying? I'm saying this is what love looks like. Love is giving. Love is sacrificial. Paul wrote, but God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. What are you saying, Paul? Paul's saying, this is what love looks like. It doesn't depend upon the other person's worthiness. I asked the first service, do you ever sit alone with the Lord and just ponder his love for you? Do you, ever, do you ever sit alone with the Lord and think of yourself at your foulest point, your nastiest, you know? And I know some of you, you don't have any nastiness or foulness. Only a few of us could identify with that, I think. But anyway, and to, and to, and to think of his love against the backdrop, to think of our foulness, you know, our sin against the backdrop of his love. It's just mind-blowing. Absolutely mind-blowing. And this is the kind of love that he has. Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 14, verse 21, He who has my commandments and keeps them is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. I will show myself to him. Is he doing that to you, for you? Is he manifesting himself to you? I'm convinced that we don't give the Lord enough time in our life. We don't give him enough of our life. We're in a hurry. I need to be careful because this is live stream, but it's not like there's 
hundreds of people listening to this, this message, or will there be? But, but there's a prophecy guide that I really enjoy. But the thing I don't enjoy is when he opens in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for this. And he gets into it. And I just, it bothers me. Every time he prays, he's just like, brother, you're racing through perhaps the most important part of your prophecy update. Giving attention, glory to the Lord. To the Lord. There needs to be this appreciation. There needs to be this love. There needs to be this sense of awe. You know, I give the illustration with Tracy and I. You know, I, I'm so thankful for my wife. I, I, um, I love her so much. And, you know, it's interesting. You know, you're with someone for so long. We were, we were in our teens when we were married. And, um, and you know, we've just gone through so much together and difficult things together. And now we're, we're senior citizens. That just seems so strange, you know. Um, but, and, and, and I just look forward to our future, you know, together. And, and only the Lord knows how much time we have with each other. But I just, I just value her, her friendship and her love. And, and I, I don't doubt her love. But I remember as a young married guy, I used to have these anxiety dreams all the time. And it was that, that Tracy went to Europe, which she did go to Europe before we got married. She was gone for a month traveling around Europe, which she did. She was in sin back then. No. <laughs> and in the dream, in the anxiety dream, it says she doesn't come back home. And so... It's like our marriage was all just, it was just kind of like a dream, you know, it never happened. And I just think, oh, man, it just kind of makes your heart ache. But I think of my relationship with the Lord. I came to the Lord at 20 years of age, after a year of marriage. After a year of living with me, Tracy realized what she got. She probably kicked up her prayers, you know, Lord save them. <laughs> There's not going to be hope. I'm glad my wife was an example and that she prayed for me as she does for our children and our grandchildren. But I think of this relationship, you know, receiving the Lord. I share it quite often because, you know, it's kind of part of my testimony and it's something that was so real and, and just so... Uh, I don't know, I, I, when I think of it, it's like it just happened, and yet it happened, you know, 45 years ago. But I remember when I had asked the Lord, Lord, please forgive me, and I was just, I don't even know what I prayed, but I just asked him to forgive me of my sins, and that I wanted him to be my Lord, and, and I just felt this, this overwhelming sense of his love. I can't even, you know, you hear people, they describe things, you know, describe when they're baptized in the Holy Spirit or whatever. And, and we all come up with these weird things. I felt like I was baptized in love, you know. And it's just trying to put into words what you're experiencing because it's such a powerful thing. 
And I just think of the love of God. God, that you love me. And now, you know, the longer I walk with the Lord, it's not that I have this secret sinful life that no one knows about except the Lord. But it's just the longer I live with myself, I am more and more amazed that he loves us so much. Do, are, do you feel that way about your relationship? See, God, this is something that we need to communicate to our children because our children need to understand this because our children are departing from church because they don't have faith in Christ because they're not born again. They need to be born again. But they need to understand that this is not, it's not like, you know, let's go visit God. You know, he lives in that white building that we go to once a week. No. We need, to, we need to train our children. We need to show our children the importance of just sitting. I think of, you know, in our family we have musicians. Not all of them are musicians. But I, I, I would think, you know, if I, would, if I could play an instrument, I, I could picture myself maybe sitting with my piano or guitar or whatever instrument it might be. And just pondering the Lord. and I think that's where a lot of the songs come from that have been written. You're just sitting. You're thinking about him. You have the word of God in your mind because you feed on the word of God. And you begin to play. And you begin to worship him. And I, and I think that for those who are truly, you know, led by the Spirit, I think that a lot of their songs or poetry or whatever it might be, they're you know, writings, I think they come first and foremost, not, you know, the motive isn't for the masses, for the group, it's for one, you know, that audience of one, it's for him. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Sometimes when I'm alone in the car, you know, I'll, I'll just start singing. I seem to always sing the same worship song. I sing it until I cannot stand my voice anymore. And then I usually laugh and say, oh, Lord, I know that you could care less about my voice. But I love you, Lord. I'm so thankful, Lord. Well, he tells us not just to love him, but, but he, tells us, he tells us to love one another. And, and it's not this, you know, I've, I've got to try harder. I, I, I got to try to love them more. Oh, man, it's not that at all. It is abiding in Christ, John chapter 15. Abiding in his word. There will be fruit from our life. It's about relationship. That's what it's all about. It's not about I'm going to try harder. I'm going to read more. I, I think that you know, if we're reading more to get something, we're probably never going to get it. I think if we're reading more because our heart is so moved by his grace and his love, and Lord, I just, I just want to know you better, then I think we're going we're gonna to see him manifest himself through his word. I believe that. It's not the doing of the thing, but it's, it's the abiding in him. It's, it's the loving him. It's the, you know, it's like when Tracy and I got married and, you know, Tracy had a relationship with the Lord, though it wasn't as strong as 
It could have been and would become. But she loved Jesus. And she loved me. And she wanted me to meet her Jesus. I mean, isn't that what we're supposed to do? It would be weird if, you know, I got my relationship with Jesus and I don't want you to have any part of him. He's all mine, you know. It would just be weird. This is why, who do we approach first when we first get saved, when we're first born again? Who do, who do we contact? Family members? Friends? It goes out, family members and friends? Sadly, many of us, you know, we kind of, We've made our last phone call, <laughs> our last visit, and we realize, you know, my family, my friends, they're really not interested in him. And so what do we do? We, well, we keep communicating, but our communication is before the Lord, and we say, oh, Lord, save them. Help them, Lord. They're, they're not any more lost than I was. Uh, they're not any worse sinners than, than I was. I mean, this is reality, you know. Uh, they, they need to be saved as much as I need to be saved. You know, sometimes when you have loved ones, you know, I, I think of when we've had prodigals, um, we would remind the Lord about his word. Not that he needs reminding. But you would do that sometimes, not in arrogance, but in humility as you pray. Lord, your word says you don't want any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Then that means, Lord, you want, and you fill in the blank, you want, you want my son, you want my daughter, you want my wife, my husband, you want my parents to come to faith in you. Oh, Lord, please. Please. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you... Also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. They're watching who? The world. <laughs> we live in the strangest times. We really do. It, it is, I, it, it can be discouraging. And I'll be honest, I would be discouraged. I would, I would lose hope if I did not have a knowledge of the word of God, if I did not believe what the word of God teaches concerning the future, what his plan is, what his purpose is. I would become very, very discouraged. I was sharing with the first service, you know, there was a shift. There was a shift in, in thinking it's happened throughout the world. I mean, there's not any place, well, maybe some places that don't have the internet or, I don't know, does such a place exist any longer? Do you know that in India, where people are living in utter poverty, they all have phones? <laughs> Did you know that? They're given to the people. I think there's a reason for that. Not so they could call, but so they could keep in touch. But there was a shift. When did it happen? COVID. What's COVID got to do with it? Well, nothing and everything at the same time. A shift. Throughout the world, 
we're watching, we're in control. You can't do this, you can't do that. What do you mean? Hey, listen, this is for health purposes. The church jumps on board. What would Jesus do? Jesus would get the vaccination. Jesus would wear the mask. Jesus wouldn't go to church. Jesus, 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 and we're, and we're told these things. At the same time that that's happening, there's a shift. There's a shift that's hap happening. Social justice, all of, all of a sudden, it becomes the norm. It is now the standard, not just for the world, but for the church as well. We need to, we need to love one another. I think the Bible says that, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. But when you keep it as context, we understand that it's speaking first and foremost to the household of God. It should bleed over into the world, but this social justice mentality, the purpose of the church is to feed the poor, to clothe the naked. That's the purpose of the church. And so you have all of these movements, you know, they now churches, we're, we're going to do this, and we're going to, and then missions, you know, there's always been missions. Every city, large city has had a mission, you know, and so now this is our, our goal. We need to feed the poor. We need to, you know, house the, the, the homeless. We need to do these types of things. But something happened in the mix, and it was the removal of the most important Heart, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you wonder, the Christians, well, they're so gullible. They don't know what the word of God says. They don't, they're not following the word of God, so they don't understand how to read scripture in its context. And this is not our calling. This is not the Great Commission. The Great Commission is the Great Commission. It hasn't changed at all. Preach the gospel to all creatures. And we've seen it happen. We've seen it with churches. We've seen it, yeah, I mean, it's been happening for a long, long time, the seeker-sensitive, seeker-sensitive mentality. You come into a community, you do the demographics on the community, Seeky, seeky, seeky services, <laughs> seeker services, seeker sensitive. Thank you. I was going to be on that for a long time. It's like a stutter. Um, they would never come to a town like Oak Harbor because there's not enough of you guys. You know, <laughs> you got to go to a large location. You do the demographics. You go door to door. You send people out. Do you go to church? No, I don't go to church. Why don't you go to church? What would you like to see in a church? So now you have the non-believer telling the believers, the church planters, what they would like to see in a church. <laughs> Can you imagine? We'll create a church like that. Will you come if we create a church like that? Yeah, I'll come if you create a church like that. Seeker-sensitive. Seeker-sensitive churches, Willow Creek, um, Saddleback, you know, some of the larger, well-known churches. Pastor, pastors, they're always large churches. When do you get around to preaching the gospel? Oh, we'll get around to it. The goal is, is to get the people in. It's so foolish. 
Guys, love is discerning. It's not ignorant. It's not... We need to love one another because the world is looking. You know, there's this mentality, you know, that saying, you know, preach the gospel everywhere you go and if needed, use words. Have you heard that one? Have you ever stopped and thought about how absolutely foolish that statement is? You know, kind of like, like really lukewarm Christians, we like that because it's like, Man, I'm just, wherever I go, I'm just the presence of Christ, you know. The aroma of Christ, you know. Do you tell people about Jesus? No, 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 no. It's just my very presence, you know. Really? How many people are coming to faith in Christ? As you're feeding the poor, giving your jacket to the homeless guy. Are they coming to Christ? Are they dropping to their knees and saying, I know that I'm in the presence of a disciple of Jesus Christ. How do you know that? I haven't said anything yet. I just know because of the way you handed me your jacket. I'm playing a little bit, but there's truth to it. It's the gospel. And the fact of the matter is, when we help people in Jesus' name, when we help people... And we share the gospel with these people, folks that need to hear the gospel. Sometimes, it doesn't matter how hard up they are. Sometimes they say, keep your jacket, keep your money, and keep your Jesus to yourself. Not interested. And we could either go away with our feelings hurt, Or we could go away rejoicing that we've been counted worthy to suffer for the cause of Christ. Be it so light, you know. Guys, I guess what I'm trying to say is that we need to have a biblical understanding of love. We need to love one another. People are watching us. But I'm telling you, the greatest form of love you could have for your brother and sister in Christ is to be there, to pray with them, to really be a part of their life. You know, people who come to church is so hit and miss. You know, you're never going to really know people. You're really never going to connect with people. And, and you'll leave and you'll say, that's an unloving church, you know. And, and I think, gosh, you're missing out because you're cheating yourself. But if you come, if you kind of get in the mix and roll up your sleeves, you're going to find that, yeah, you know, these people, they're loving, and they, they really love me because I'm their brother or their sister, you know. But we cheat ourselves many times because we just don't give ourselves, you know, to, to ministry or, or whatever. But, but we need to love our brother and sister in Christ in a very practical way. If they're hungry, we should feed them. If they're thirsty, we could give them something to drink. If they're naked, we should clothe them. You know, that scripture that I'm referring to in Matthew chapter 25, are you guys familiar with that? Do you know that the context of that, though again, it's kind of used as a social justice type of thing. Jesus says, 
if you do these things unto my brethren, you've done it unto me. Do you know what he's speaking of? He's speaking of those who are kind to the Jews during the tribulation period in its context. So we should love. We should love the body of Christ. We should have love for the Jewish people. And we should have love for our fellow man. But the most loving thing we could do for our fellow man is share the gospel with them. Tell them about Jesus. Um, I think most of us are more concerned about what people think of us than what the Lord thinks of us. I think that you know, Jesus, when he gave the Great Commission, he says, and lo, I am with you always. Remember that? Why is it that so many of God's people feel like they're left alone? Where are you, Lord? Why are you so distant? Why are you so far from me? Why do so many of God's people feel that way? Is it because we're supposed to be on mission, but we're not on mission out of fear? of what people might think. Jesus is coming back. And we should share the gospel with people. And we should do it lovingly. When I was a young guy, and Jesus freaks were all over San Diego, and they were sharing the gospel with people like me, no one ever was rude to me. Though they told me about hell. And they told me that that was my destination. I never felt like a Jesus person was ever being rude to me because they were honest with me. I always kind of went away from it, even though I had heard many times and rejected the message. I always felt like, I think these people are sincere. I don't agree with them, but I think these people are really sincere. I think they really have a genuine concern for me. And of course, when I became a Christian, I realized that they did, and they do. But you know, guys, we need to express our concern for our, our neighbors and people around us. We need to love one another. There needs to be this deeper sense of love. Jesus is coming back. Things are getting difficult. The days are getting darker. All of these things, again, they're not a surprise to us. If you're a student of the word, you say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. We see it. We don't know, you know, this whole idea that, you know, it's going to be peaches and cream until the trumpet blows and Jesus calls us home. I, I think most of us have realized it's probably not going to be that way since we have brothers and sisters that are being persecuted throughout the world. You know, I made mention of the Mongolian pastors that our church is able to support. They're, they need to leave where they're from because it's illegal for them to gather together in Christ's name. Uh, last Friday, you know, the women's, uh, you know, cafe. And usually we would show the video of the children. And because of the persecution in India... So these are people we're supporting. They've blocked that, so we can no longer show those videos because they don't want any of the people to be found out. 
we received a, a video thank you to our church from the son of kind of the, the, the founder of, of that ministry in India. And it was directed to our church. It was not something that was supposed to be broadcasted. It was not supposed to be out there for fear that they'd be able to say, well, this is, this is a target. This is the top of the food chain here. So these are the days in which we're living. But our love for one another should be genuine. It should grow. We should invest time in one another. Again, it's not something that just happens. As we're abiding in him, it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Isn't it wonderful that everything we have need of is already ours in Christ Jesus? It's so beautiful. He says, I'll meet your needs. He says, don't worry about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat. He says, come to me, all you who are heavy laden, you know, burdened. I mean, you just, just, sometimes I think we need to just get alone. Maybe we'll do it today. Get alone, open your Bible, read the red letters, or wherever you choose to read in the Psalms, wherever you choose to read, because the scriptures surely aren't limited. And thank him. Thank you, Lord. Would you stand with me, please? Let's, let's come on up, guys.